Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Hi, again, my name is Alex. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, Carla, thank you so much for asking me to lead. Uh, I have a, a, a history with the kitchen sink that is really dear to me. Uh, having come to program to OA in 2016, and uh, I, w- I went to my first meeting, which was in a church in Hollywood, and I, uh, someone at that meeting came up and told me you should try checking out this meeting called Kitchen Sink. And I went that Saturday and there have not been a lot of Saturdays in the next, you know, five years where I've missed it. Um, so I'm grateful for all of you and I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, share today. Um, I want to read something from the big book because that's what it talks about. Right now, what uh, is my week has been like? Uh, this is from page 85, Into Action. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. Um, I have not been spiritually fit lately. Uh, I've had a... I've been very, very busy with work. Uh, I'm one of these guys who has... uh, Multiple addictions, and one of them is uh, I love to completely immerse myself in work as another way of numbing myself. Um, you know, I'd go to Workaholics Anonymous, but I'm just too busy. The uh, This all starts when I'm a kid. Um, I grew up in, uh, uh, in a home with loving parents, but there was a lot of... Um, my father's a very unpredictable uh, person. He was um, explosive in all sorts of ways, explosive with his joy and explosive with his laughter, but also explosive with his anger. And and um, I kind of learned how to, you know, uh, survive by, by sort of reading the room and uh, adjusting myself accordingly. And that caused a lot of anxiety, and I found I I have searched my whole life in ways to kind of numb that out. And the first thing that I did to numb out that anxiety was turn to food. And for me, the food of choice that did that job for me at that time was sugar, flour, and most importantly, the combination of sugar and flour. Those two put together was like a bomb that did that that could could actually, at the time, do the job it was supposed to do, 
which was make make everything kind of numb. That's I'm I'm, I'm talking about me when I'm seven, eight years old. I'm now 54, and very little has changed. I am still a guy who I I I either want to feel good or I want to feel nothing. That changed uh, the way that I. When I came to Overeaters Anonymous uh, at age 49, that began to change, and I'll get to that. But um, I remember that um, a few years ago, I went to the uh, OA birthday party, and uh, I think everybody here is a, a longtime member, and everybody knows about the birthday party. But if you don't, uh, I really can't stress enough how much I, you, you ought to go to the birthday party. It's uh, I found it to be a really transformative experience. And at that birthday party, I heard someone share about character defects. And she said, um, I don't like to call them character defects. I prefer to call them survival traits. And I really relate to that because uh, all of these things that I've suffered with, uh, these 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 addictions, these behaviors, these compulsive need to be validated, to be numbed out. They, they were all things that I was doing to attempt to survive my situation. Uh, the problem is that when I got older, I didn't need those anymore, but they stubbornly uh, followed me everywhere I go. Uh, they're part of who I am. And so the reason I wanted to read that part from the big book is that um, is that sentence about all we get out of this program, really, at the end of the day, is a daily reprieve. Um, I am not cured of compulsive overeating. I'm not cured of the thinking that leads me to think that the best solution is to um, try to grab up my will and, and figure it out and do it myself. Um, I have to start every day fresh. And do a spiritual practice that I that I do to sort of center my center myself. Look at my day. Look at my things. If I'm feeling a resentment, I I, I pray for the person. Um, but lately, I have not uh, I've not done that um, for about. Uh, I, I looked at I, I I do this practice and. Um, I write every morning and I have a date on it. And I realized that I hadn't written or done my, my, my morning prayers in about nine days. And man, I, when I saw that this morning, I thought, well, duh, this is why I, this is why I feel so fucking nuts because, uh, I'm not doing the thing, you know, like that old thing that we say about, you know, addicts and addict is a person who finds something that makes things better and then stops doing it. This is exactly what I did. Uh, I hadn't called my sponsor in about a week and a half. And I felt these moments where, okay, this is the time I can call my sponsor now. And then I'll just find some reason not to do it. Or the, the phone just gets to be a thousand pounds. And, you know, this is after years in program. This is after, this is a, I have a very a good and warm, uh, trusting relationship with my sponsor. And yet, um, it becomes difficult because my default is to disappear into myself and not reach out. I've described this many times, but what I, what happens with me is something that has been happened since I was a kid. 
is I disappear into what I call the bunker of my head. And uh, inside, I, I can get inside the bunker and I shut, pull down the portcullis and I shut the, the gates and the doors. And from within there, I can indulge myself in the illusion that I am in control. I, you know, I can have the periscope and I'm looking out at the world and I can plan out my, my, uh, you know, how I'm going to deal with my enemies and how I'm going to, uh, I can, I can, I can re, relitigate and fight all those past wars and I can say all the things I, sh- I wish I had said at that moment. You know, uh, I can run that record over and over again about these, about these past, uh, uh, uh humiliations or things that I perceive as failures and, uh, um, and this time fix it, you know. I can also, you know, throw celebratory parades to my greatness. But essentially, um, I am inside of me. I am pulled con- completely into me. The thing is that when I'm in there, I, I, I have this illusion of feeling safe. It's the same illusion that I get when I would eat that sugar-flour combo. There would be a, a hit that would give me the illusion that everything was okay, you know. But uh, as as you probably know, um, that sugar flour combination didn't actually have any effect on outside circumstances. It didn't actually have any effect on my emotions. It didn't actually have any uh, effect on the outcomes of things in my life. All it did was disconnect me. When I'm in the bunker, I'm disconnected. Um, I'm not of use. I'm, I, I'm like a cab that's put on the light that says, no, not in service, you know. Um, so if I feel safe, uh, I convince myself that everything's fine. But uh, what I also I've not only protected myself from fear, I'm protecting myself from danger, but I've also uh, insulated myself from love. I've insulated myself from connection. I've insulated myself from my higher power. Um, when I had, I'd basically done this uh, my whole life um, for decades and decades. Um, I knew that I had a problem with food. Um, or at least that's what I thought I had. And uh, my entire life was about, I'm fortunate that I, that I, that I, the, the disease didn't manifest itself in me in such a way that I, that I got up to 300 or 400 pounds. I, the highest weight I ever reached was 272 pounds um, that I remember that I, that, you know, that's the highest that I ever saw recorded. Um but mostly my life was about putting on and taking off the same 30, 35 pounds. And it would be, uh, I'd go on this binge um, to try to just deal with whatever anxieties and fears I was having. And then I would reach, look up and I'd realize that I put on all this weight. I would be, have a torrent of shame and, and, and guilt and regret and anger and self-hatred. And so then I'd go on some kind of insane diet of which there are many and all of us know them. And then I'd lose that weight. And then when I'd get to the weight that I wanted to get to, I'd say, okay, well, problem solved. And then uh, I go back to the same behaviors. And then when I get back to the same weight again, 
I look at myself and say, how I'm like, you know, Bill pounding on the bar. How did I get here again? You know? Um, <clears throat> so I didn't come to Overeaters Anonymous until I was 49 years old. And I, as I said, I came to Overeaters Anonymous because um, I thought I have a problem with food. And it wasn't until I came to this program and I started to listen to all of you um, and I started to work it is when I learned that um, food wasn't my problem. My, my problem is that I have this spiritual hole inside of me. And that hole can only be filled with food and applause. And there's never, never enough of either of those things. Um, and so I continue to, to, to go to Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, if there's anybody out there who's new or like you haven't taken a sponsor yet, or you're, 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 you're sort of like coming to meetings, I can tell you that I came to meetings for over a year without asking anybody to be my sponsor. I sat in, uh, uh, you know, I was doing it, uh, what do they say? OA my way. I was just coming to the meetings and I sat there and I shared and I listened and, you know, I, I, I have a gift of being able to talk. So I was able to make everything sound really right. And I can, you know, uh, um, um, get through it and, and, and relate and take service positions and everything, but I was not working the program. Um, and then one day, a very close friend of mine uh, and one of my closest creative collaborators just you know, went to bed one night and didn't wake up. And um, I had I had taken an abstinence for myself at that time. At that time, I didn't think that sugar was a problem. I thought maybe I, I really just thought that I, it was just bread that I couldn't eat, you know. So I, but sugar's OK. So I stopped eating all this bread, but then like, like lunch would be three Snickers bars. And I thought that was like a, I thought that was an abstinence, you know? Anyway, whatever bullshit abstinence that was, uh, when my friend Norman, uh, passed away, it just snapped like a twig. And I just, uh, I did what I had always done since I was a child. I was feeling a feeling. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't want to feel. And so I went to the food to try to numb myself out. I closed the, 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 the bunker and I just went to the food. And um, the only thing that I did after that that I'm grateful for is that I went back to a meeting and I shared about how I was feeling uh, and what was going on. And at, after that meeting, someone in the program took me aside and they said um, a phrase that I, I try to share as often as I can because I'm trying to give back what was given to me. Uh, she said, um, if you if you want to feel better, go to a meeting. But if you want to get better, work the steps. And um, there was someone that I had met at a, at a meeting. They come up to me. He'd come up to me and introduce himself after my first uh, meeting, uh, my first time being there. And uh, I, I, I had a connection with him. And but I. I, I I thought this is a person that maybe I could ask to be my sponsor and but like it was just too impossible for me to to do it. I I could not uh, my ego did not allow me you know I I was like I, I'm a grown ass man. I can't walk up to another grown ass man and say I I you know I am you know apple fritters has kicked my ass and I need your help, you know. Um I couldn't do it. 
and my partner would say, Hey, what about that guy? You know, and I just, you know, so after this whole thing uh, with, with, with my friend, I just said, okay, I, I think I'm going to go back to that meeting. And if uh, that guy's there, I'm going to ask him to be my sponsor. And I went to that meeting and that guy was there and he was the lead chair, he, you know, and he gave the lead chair. And uh, afterwards I, I went over to, I went up to him, uh, nervous as hell, uh, worried that I was, you know, committing myself to a cult or something. And, and I, uh, I asked him to be my sponsor. And, um, that after, after about a year and a half of going to Overeaters Anonymous, that's when my recovery began. Because that's the first moment of surrender where I, I, I'd been going to meetings for a year and a half and still had not really done step one, which is admitting that I am powerless. Um, and so when I asked him, um, he, um, he's, yes, thankfully, five Hi, minutes. Man. Thank you, Pam. Um, all this is to say that I went through the steps with my sponsor. It, 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 it completely changed the way that I see things. It's not that anything got fixed so much that I have reframed it. I can see that from within the bunker, there was an entirely different view of reality that was completely skewed, that is completely skewed through my eyes. Um, uh, I see reality if, uh, from a base level, from just from, from as I am, I see reality in a way that is very possibly not the way things actually are. And uh, what I have to do is um, on a daily basis, I am taking the steps and doing the work that's necessary. I have to do a spiritual practice in the morning because uh, if I don't, I wake up and I get overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, but I can stop, I can meditate, I can write, I can pray, and gets me to sort of like a baseline. And if during that day I'm doing the practices, I'm attending meetings, I'm doing service at these meetings, um, I have sponsees and I'm being available to these sponsees, uh, and very importantly, calling my sponsor and reading my sponsor an inventory of my day. When I'm doing those things, I have a chance at a reprieve. I have a chance for today to not be in a place of, uh, of misery and, uh, and, and terror. You know, I heard somebody say that, um, you know, when they came to OA and they started to work all this program, um, it wasn't like, you know, someone had opened the gates of, of heaven and let me in. It was more like someone had opened the gates of hell and let me out. Um, that's how I feel. When I, and I feel it even more acutely right now because I have allowed myself little by little, bit by bit, to let go of the things that make my life better, more manageable, more something that is uh, um, the design of, for living that I have learned from the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and so if I tell, if I have anything to share to anyone who either is new or is struggling or is just, you know, a guy like me who every once in a while starts to think, oh, maybe, maybe I can do it myself. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm all better now. 
you know. Um, the answer is in the steps. And it's uh, about the actions that I take so much more than uh, uh, the thinking behind it, you know. I don't got to want to, you know. I don't got to want to pray. I don't got to want to go to a meeting. I don't got to want to be uh, of service to someone. I just got to do it. It's the actions that make the difference. I can have all sorts of crazy thoughts in my head, but if I'm taking right actions, then the right actions can change my thinking. Um, but if I just rely on what my thinking is, my thinking got me here. My thinking got me into this and many other programs. Uh, my best thinking is not going to do it. And there's a kind of, uh, I'm always going to want to sort of take out, take, take back my, 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 my will. And, uh, that's why I have to continue to take, uh, to, to work this program, continue to, to, to do my practices. The last thing I'll say is, is this is about services. When I'm in this bunker, the scariest thing about the bunker for me is that sometimes I don't know I'm in there. And I, a week can go by and I'm in the bunker. I don't even realize it. I just think that people are being assholes. I think that the world is, is bearing down on me that I, that I am, a, I am a victim of circumstances. But, um, when I come out of the bunker, I realize that that's, that's, it's like, it's like I've been looking through things with a, with a pair of glasses that are all askew, you know? The number one thing that pulls me out of the bunker is outreach. If I reach, not just to reach out to say my sponsor or someone else and say, I'm feeling shitty, I need some help. But more importantly, reaching out to someone else and saying, how are you doing today? And then shutting my mouth and listening. That sucks me out. That's like a spiritual shop back that sucks me out of the bunker and puts me back into the real world with my fellows. The real world that where my higher power wants me to be. Where I can be of service, where I can be of use to, 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 to God and my fellows. Um, page 45, I think it is in the big book, it says that our real purpose is to be of maximum service to God and to our fellows. And it is so easy for me to forget that. So easy. Um, so I gotta, I gotta, I, I, I've gotta do the things on every day. I am not, I'm not special. I'm not, a, a, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not smarter than an average OA. I'm not better equipped. I have to do the work. If I do the work, I get the, I get the rewards. If I don't do the work, then all of my shit starts to creep up and overwhelm me. And uh, pretty soon I'm, I'm, uh, you know, the next, next step is, is the, uh, is pounding all that food into my face. And I don't want to go back there. I, I'm certainly of no use. Thank you, Pam. I'll wrap up just to say uh, thank you again uh, for asking me to, to do this. This is, um, believe me, it helps me a lot more than it helps you. Uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity today to be of service and share my story. I hope something I've said has helped. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. <clears throat> this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. 
Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please raise the click the raise your hand icon. Am I selecting, folks? Okay. Joy. Good morning, Alex. It was really great to hear your share. So grateful to be here. My question to you is, is on days where you feel super, super low or you're in a funk or a depression, how do you, what tools do you use to pull yourself out of that so you can stay present and program and, and to keep coming back? Thanks. Thanks for your question. Um, what tools I use to keep, uh, to try to get myself out of the funk is, um, <clears throat> The funk is because I think that it's all about me. And so the the number one tool is to reach out and try to be of service to somebody else in some way. Um, the other tool is this daily, this daily practice. Um, generally speaking, <laughs> uh, most days, although not so in the last, you know, week and a half, I wake up in the morning, I write. Uh, some stream of consciousness sort of brain drain for, for about a half hour. I read for today and whatever the page is about, I write on that for five minutes. And then I, um, I pray, um, a whole series of prayers that are sort of, you know, it's a, the, the serenity prayer and the third step prayer. Um, but also, uh, I go through the, the, you know, what it says in, in, uh, upon awakening. Um, if I have uh, a particular resentment towards someone, and this morning I woke up with a big one, um, the first thing I try to do is resent, is, is pray that for that person. Um, I have had that work for me so many times. Sometimes I pray, I'm sometimes praying day after day for the same resentment to be lifted. And some days I pray and then it just seems to just evaporate immediately. Whatever it is, in that moment, I am taking the focus out of me, deciding that I'm not, you know, the most important thing in the world. That's the, the, I guess the overwhelming thing is that if I, if I, if I can convince myself, if I can let go of the idea that I'm somehow in charge and I'm somehow the most important thing, um, then I can have my day and, and, and try to be of use, you know. Heard somebody say that the, that, um, the world is like a log floating in a river and there are 7 billion ants on the log and every ant thinks they're steering. And, uh, that's me. I, when I think that I'm steering that log, then it's, life just gets really much, much harder. But when I can realize that I'm just part of it, that I'm not in control, that I can turn things over and that maybe in my small way, I can be of useful, be of some use to the ant next to me on either side, then my day's a lot better. And so thanks for your question. Okay, uh, Heather. Hi, Heather, People's Overeater and Believe. You guys can hear me? Yeah. Just making sure. Sorry, I'm in the laundry room being respectful of my other apartment people. Uh, my question for you uh, I related to your part where you had a volatile parent. And it was unpredictable, and that made a lot of anxiety because you're always checking the barometer of that person. 
And so I'm glad when you're having to constantly check and adapt yourself to another person, there's an anxiety. With program, how have you been able to manage that very deep-rooted, you know, old conditioning um, of the anxiety? Thanks, Heather. Um, first of all, uh, you're in the laundry room, and all that does is make me feel a bunch of shame that I haven't done my laundry. So thanks a lot. Uh, I, the way that I – I don't have any control over other people. The, the, this illusion that I've had throughout my whole life that if I, if I, if I'm whatever enough, that that, that the other people will do as I want, as I wish, that the world will, you know, bend to my wishes, um, uh, that, that I can control and manipulate my circumstance, my external circumstances. Um, it's just that, an illusion. Um, so what I try to do is just, on a daily basis, remind myself of that. I talked about my spiritual practice, and one of the things that I do is I have this alarm that goes off on my phone. And when the alarm goes off, it says uh, uh, um, the exact words. It says, uh, in God's time, not mine, I am not running the universe. The world does not bow to my wishes. God's will, not mine, be done. Every day, twice a day, I have my phone remind me that I'm not the master of the universe. That's uh, so. That's kind of like embarrassing and shameful to say, but that's part of step one. I admit that I'm powerless over my desire to feel that I have control over external circumstances. That's the whole thing behind my compulsive overeating is an attempt to use an external thing to fix an, instern, an internal thing. I think if I take the food and I jam it in my face, that somehow that's going to fix um, uh, what's, what's going on, and it doesn't. Um, the call is coming from inside the house. You know. Hope that answers your question. Who else we got? Thank you. Uh, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Alex, for your share. Um, what do you do when food calls specifically? Does sugar or flour still call you? And what are your, what actions do you take if that happens? Thanks, Bob. I am really grateful that I do not, um, um, I don't struggle with a white knuckle or a call from, from sugar or flour. Uh, uh, anymore. Somehow by, by putting that on a, on a, somehow the red light nature of that abstinence has really worked for me where I, it's just not my food. However, um, my brain starts to justify other foods that can kind of pop up that say, well, that's not, that's not under that category. So let's go hog wild on this thing, you know? Um, it, it, it's, it's, that's, that's what happens with me is that suddenly, um, there's another food that wasn't as much of an issue that is now completely become an issue, whether it's, uh, chips, chips are a thing that I, that I, that I struggle with then. And I, and I struggle with the willingness to put them in the, in the fully red light category that, uh, sugar and flour is, um, Again, I keep going back to the same thing, but if I, if I focus on my spiritual fitness, then the, then the calls from the food are just, they just don't have as much 
uh, impact on me. It's when I don't do that that suddenly, you know what's a good idea? <laughs> dot, 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 <laughs> you know, 10 pounds later, you know what's a good idea? You know, um, it's all about this. It's all about the spiritual fitness. And the spiritual fitness, again, has to do with how can I be, uh, uh, how, how can I help somebody else? How can I be, you know, of service? How can I be, um, how can I take what has been given to me and try to give it to somebody else? You know, I've never done this very much um, that I'm really aware of, but I've heard people say from other programs that um, one great thing to do when you're looking for this, to, to find these areas of, of spiritual fitness is to is to do something kind for someone and don't get caught. Because, you know, I want credit for everything. You know, I want it written in the book that I did that, you know. But when, but if I'm doing something for someone and I have not been, I, I, I've not, it, no attention has been called to it, then, then I get this strange uh, feeling inside of me that, that is adjacent to self-esteem. I start to feel, uh, uh, you know, if I want to have uh, self-esteem, I can take uh, esteemable actions that will make me feel that, um, and that's one thing. Uh, that 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 I can do, but it's all the it's 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 uh, when the when the food becomes a problem and starts calling, the answer always seems to be in my spiritual fitness. That oh shit, I haven't been doing my practice. Oh, I haven't been you know available enough to my sponsees. I haven't been reaching doing my outreach. You know, and then as soon as I I write that ship, things get a lot calmer. Um, it works. It really does. Ellie. Thanks, Bob. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for your share. Good to see you. Um, so would you talk about steps six and seven, a little bit about your character defects and what you've done to help have them, if you have, to have them removed? Thanks. Thank you, Ellie. It's great to see you. Um, I think that um, of my long list of character defects uh, that I came up with in step six. So step six, of course, is to is to identify these things, and step seven is to humbly ask God to remove them. Um, of the of all those lists, I think that the only one that has been uh, completely lifted, uh, thank you, uh, is smoking. I was I, I I really turned once I got rid of the sugar and the flour the smoking really went through the roof and um, I'm very grateful that three and a half years ago that's been lifted. Um, um, of course I, I no sugar no flour no nicotine it's like I got now I got nothing but feelings. <laughs> I, 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 um, but I think the biggest thing about step seven for me is the is the is is, is realizing that that step is to humbly ask God to remove my shortcomings. That's the entirety of the step. It's not my responsibility. The actions are going to come that will appear to me that I can take. Um, one of the big ones for me is perfectionism and procrastination. That's a huge character defect. Uh, and it all has to do with um, fear of outcomes, fear of what people are going to think. 
uh, it, it can get really acute. Like I'm afraid to write an email or make a phone call because I, if I, if I can't write that email perfectly, if I can't make that phone call perfectly, then I don't want to even do it. Um, so I have asked God to remove this shortcoming and I every day take these steps. Um, when I take them, like contacting my, like talking to my sponsor and putting that on my inventory, uh, when it comes up, um, making a list of things that I have to do and, 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 and trying to do them one at a time and, um, leave the outcome, you know, basically me doing the footwork and letting the outcomes be handled by a power greater than myself. Um, I can't honestly say, I don't have the list in front of me, but I can't honestly say that, um, any of my, any of the other uh, character defects have been, uh, just lifted. But, um, I know that, that, um, Things feel less oppressive and overwhelming when I uh, can approach it with the with the attitude that um, it's in God's hands and not mine. Um, I just recently started to use a God box, which I'd heard so much about in programming. Always loved that idea, and um, I finally started doing it. You know, and um, I've put a bunch of notes with things that I wanted. You know, and they're in the, I don't even, I don't even remember what they are. They're gone. They're in that box. It's like in the forties when you have those, those, those pneumatic tubes in offices and you put the memo in the tube and go, you know, that's what it is. It's not, it's not my problem anymore. I hope that, I hope that answers the question. Lillian. Hi, Alex. Thanks for your pitch. Speaking about procrastination, I had never in my life done until these last few years. I don't know how anyone lives that way. So what do you do when you get to the point, procrastinated day one, made the note to do it, okay, end of day, oh, didn't do it, next day. What finally kicks your ass and say, okay, I'm doing it now. What do you do that, that's it, it's enough, you do it. What puts you over the, to do it? It's, it's, it's every day, again, with the spiritual practice, there's, there's, uh, there's, I have these sort of like cards that I put out, um, you know, the prayers and, and a, picture of myself when I was a little kid so I can be kind to myself and you know but one of the cards says uh um uh, perfectionism is the killer of joy and the other one says uh just start that's the important one for me is the the problem procrastination is not the job itself it's the starting of the job if I can just start if it's literally just op- even if it's like this email I'm talking about, just opening the email and typing a letter, then I have started. You know, um, it's really it's really it's really kind of hard to describe because it feels sort of embarrassing to think that I these these might be out of uh, out of my control. But um, my problem is that I'll make, you talk about making a list, and I mean to do that, and I, I didn't do it. My problem is that I do a list of 10 things. I do nine of them, and then I spend the night kicking my own ass that I didn't do the 10th. And I don't give myself the credit for the nine that I did do, you know. Um, so it's really about the it, – if I can sort of forget about results, if I can, get, if I can once again say the results are not my responsibility, uh, the, the, that's somebody else's job. I think Dr. Paul said that he made a contract that uh, uh, my job is to do the work and God's job is to do the worrying. And I don't do God's work and God doesn't do my work. And so I do, I do my job, which is 
to do this. I'll, I'll wrap up. Thanks, Pam. I'll do this, this thing to put it together, and then the results of it, how good this email is, how the phone call goes, whatever the thing is, it's not in my hands. If I can be in that attitude, then I can start. And once I start, um, it, it, it can take care of itself. Okay, I think that's all. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Alex, 